All right, uh, welcome back to Big Guys, Big Takes. Um, I am here again with Graham uh, for our second episode. How you doing, Graham? I am doing splendid, Ellis. How about yourself? <laughs> I, you know, can't complain. I gotta say. Best day of your life? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, easily. I mean, <laughs> we're making the episode, so it can't really get much better. Amen, dude. Amen. <laughs> All right. So um, I think I'll just get into our uh, starting topic for the week. Um, so I this week I was thinking I was thinking about something and it kept, you know, kind of crossed my mind. Um, and, you know, kind of around when we we're going to do the podcast, I was like, oh, how we just do we just talk about that? Because like, I've kind of been wanting to talk to someone um, about it, and so, I mean, now's the the perfect time. Um, so, basically, uh, here's here's what I've been thinking about is uh, friends. Um, I I think uh, I've like done some some reflecting, and um, so this year I feel like uh, on on campus I've made a lot more friends, and I feel like I know a lot more people, and. I've been kind of reflecting on like the difference between last year and this year, um, just in like how I've felt personally now that I feel like I have, you know, more people to talk to and like do stuff with. And I mean, it's, it's kind of astounding to me, like how much, um, better I feel, I guess, if that makes sense, just having, you know, more people around that I can talk to on a regular basis. And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk about like, like what about friends, um, is like really important to us as people. And like, I don't know. So I'm curious what, um, what are your initial thoughts? Like, do you have any, uh, any opinions on that? Um, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts that come to my mind right off the bat. Um, one of the things that comes to my mind is just how, um, it's kind of difficult to, uh, for me at least to make, to make, uh, friendships in, at the university that I'm at. Um, and I've had a kind of a difficult time, um, actually. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's making me wonder why, um, but it's, it's like I've had a difficult time with kids um, my age and um, I've had some incredible relationships with like some older guys that I've worked with at this university um, at the current job that I'm at. And um, it's, it's hard for me to to have close relationships with kids Mm. um, my age. Um, And I actually, I don't know. It's weird. I find myself having a hard time relating to um, a lot of the kids my age. Um, and I just find myself having more in common with, um, for instance, like skilled trades guys. Um, I was a carpentry's assistant for two years um, before the pandemic started. Um, and I became really close with three guys um, and one guy especially. And, um, I mean, I'm still communicating with that guy to this day. Um, 
and he is over 50 years old. So it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really get along with the kids that can't wait to get drunk and screwed up on the weekend. <laughs> and I know you're the same. I know you're the same, Alice. Yeah. Um, but another issue I think I find myself having is, um, the school that I'm involved in and the, the degree that I'm in getting mm. the business school, I feel like is a lot more conducive to the partying, mm. um, and uh, that kind of personality compared to what you're involved in, um, the an engineering school, um, it's so much more academically focused where I feel like it's just like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of a, a stereotype. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's a stereotype on my end for me calling it um, a partying kind of scene. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I just I it, it's hard for me to make friends in that scene, and it's not mm. not to say that I haven't made some great friends at this university, um, but I don't know. I find myself getting along with um, the people at my work that are putting in eleven-hour days, and we're sitting there laughing extremely hard over an extremely messed up situation that that our company is going through and it's yeah and you're sharing a moment of like stress you're sharing a moment of humor with each other and it's building off that and i just can't i can't i can't value and i i don't know i my i just can't um i'm not sure what the right word is i just don't function well um when i'm around people that um really thrive off of the partying scene. Mm-hmm. That's not what I thrive off of. And that's right. not what's good for me. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Like it's, there's some days I sit in class and I say, man, some of these kids aren't too bad. And then there's other days when I sit in class and I listen <laughs> to the same kids talk and I say, Oh, my God, <laughs> how did they get into this university? Oh, yeah. But I don't know. It's hard it's hard for a lot of people to uh, to find uh, real good friends. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and I have an older brother who I'm extremely close with, and a lot of his friends that I'm pretty close with, and I'm lucky enough to be involved in a lot of their activities. So um, he's almost five years older than me, so I feel like that does take into effect a little bit on my personality and just my maturity level a little bit. Um, I'm not trying to say I'm as mature as a 30 year old, but yeah, um, I don't know. I like I said before, I just don't really get along with that frat boy singing. <laughs> I know you don't either, but yeah, I hear you. I think um, uh, a big thing that I've kind of realized is just having some way to relate with someone like goes a really long ways in building friendships and I feel like that's a lot of times how they start is like you have something that kind of binds you together um whether it's I mean and it can be like something like really big as in like your favorite hobby and that's like all that you care about and someone shares that with you or it can be something um like small like uh, for example this 
um, so this semester I'm taking uh, a math course and we have like a, a lab section to it. And um, so in the, the lab section, like half of the kids like move to a different section. So there's like hardly anyone in there. Um, it's kind of weird, but anyways, I, I met a couple other people just, you know, kind of talking to them before class. And then we're like, all right, let's, let's form a group together. Um, and so anyways, then as we were working on the lab, uh, we spent our entire class period, which was an hour, um, trying to get past the first question of like the first problem and it was brutal like we were all like why you know why can't we get this and we were like struggling with it but um i feel like after we had that experience together i feel like much you know much closer to him just because we had like a shared experience where you know we like got through it together and like we weren't successful i mean you know, it was, it was kind of rough, but, um, just kind of having something, I feel like, you know, just gives you some sort of bond. Um, and then once you kind of get like something started, then I feel like it just makes it that much easier to, to build on it in the future. Um, cause you just have like that one relationship, but then you get to, to know more about them and you figure out like, Oh, we have, you know, all this other stuff in common too. And I don't know. I just find it really interesting that you can find friendships in places that you really didn't expect. Um, and in, in ways that you didn't expect either. I think, uh, a lot of that has to do with, uh, like struggling with those people. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think, uh, if that professor handed you guys each a hundred dollars and said, here guys, you guys as a group of five, go to the mall and you guys can each go spend 500 bucks. I mean, well, 500 or a hundred dollars doesn't matter as a team, go spend 500 bucks on whatever you guys want. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely right. It's like, you guys aren't going to bond over that. Really? Some girls are going to want to go to the Apple store. Some guys want, <laughs> might want to go to Dick's Sporting Goods. But, like, when you, if he were to stick you outside and say, go build a fire, or, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, here's nothing, but go build me a fire out yeah. of something. It's like, when you're, when you have to work hard with people, it's like, I don't know, it's like running cross country. It's like doing a sport. Mm -hmm. it, 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 there's something about working hard with people that makes you, well, I, I think it either makes you move closer to them and you become better friends with them or it pushes you away from people. Like, there's a couple of people I work with who are probably magnificent people outside of work. And there's a couple of kids who I'm in groups with who are probably fantastic kids if we were just <laughs> sitting out on a boat fishing. Yeah. We'd probably be a fantastic kid. But when you when you're trying to do some schoolwork and you're trying to get this kid to exert himself, or get get this lady or get this elderly man to exert himself, um, there's some times where you see a side of him that you just say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that." Mm -hmm. 
but uh work work friendships and sport friendships and school friendships through all great things and uh yeah i have gotten closer with some guys at work in a short amount of time because of shitty work experiences yeah yeah and gotten closer with some yeah mainly people at work it's crazy how close you go with people at work in a short amount of time just because mm-hmm. of the shitty work environment <laughs> it is crazy i know Seriously. and it's like, like I, it's not something that you're supposed to bond over but you just do yeah seriously I, i've been working at this place that i'm at currently for a little over four months and i know one of these guys so well just because our personalities are pretty similar we we have a similar sense of humor i mean but this guy's 11 years older than me yeah but <laughs> but but like here's the thing this guy and i we will get on so we work remotely it, we're, we're remote four days a week and in the office one day a week and we never see each other in the office anymore but we will get on zoom and we will work over zoom like in silence but we just have it mm. in the background yeah so like like whenever we're ready to talk to each other or make a quick comment we'll make a quick comment yeah. but for the most part it's it's pretty much silence and we'll talk there some days we'll we'll sit there for 3 hours and and just sometimes talk sometimes work and then there's other t- other days when I'm only calling them when I have questions on things because I'm mm. still a newbie and he's more experienced than me. But isn't yeah. that kind of interesting? That yeah. just because we're friends, we still kind of miss that connection with each other when we're when we're not working together in the office. We still yeah. kind of want to just sit and work together. Yeah, I know it's 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 cool because. Um, it's kind of like it's hard to explain too because um you know on paper you guys just sitting there together in silence shouldn't have like an impact but just you like subconsciously knowing that he's there and then you can just you know say something whenever you want because theoretically you could just call him or you could just say it right then and like yeah like you said there's just more meaning behind just saying it right then as opposed to i don't know it's just that's what i find is like really interesting about friends is because um you just kind of i don't know you just sort of have this understanding with each other um and you can just sort of do anything and the other person like isn't going to question it um like I think about one of uh, my closest friends. Um, I uh, ran cross country with them. I ran track with them. I, you know, went to school with them. Like we, um, we did all kinds of stuff together and we would hang out, you know, outside of school. And he was one of my closest friends. And yet most of the time that we would like hang out with each other, we would just like, just say or do stuff that just didn't make any sense but like we just kind of had such a relationship with each other that you know we knew what the other person thought was funny um 
but it was it wasn't so much about like what we were doing it was just the fact that like we were doing it together um and i don't know it, it kind of reminds me of um so i i'm into uh video games i'm i guess you could call uh, a gamer if you will <laughs> <laughs> um oh. but anyway so my point there is when I was younger, I was just like, I just loved games. I was like, oh, I don't care, you know, what it is. I just like playing games. But now that I'm older, I really only find myself enjoying games when I'm playing it with a friend. Um, and not necessarily because, like, oh, we're doing the game together. It's more so just because I want to have, like, a medium to spend time with that person just so I can talk to them and, like, catch up. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just really interesting to me how just being with the person is just makes you feel good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll take that a step further. Like, so this past weekend I was goose hunting. And so at six o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black dark and I'm setting up goose decoys in the middle of a field with my brother and another one of our friends. And it's not the best thing to be doing in the world at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday. So, and you're out there in the dark and it's cold and it's damp and the mosquitoes are out. And, yeah. and, and it just take, it takes us back to like, we're talking about, you know, you're working hard with a group of friends and it just is making you closer to them. But, like we kind of talked about last week or two weeks ago, um, like being outside, I feel like I kind of like get like recharged just like sitting mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I'm gaining something when I'm outside almost. Sitting out in a field as the sun's rising, as birds are flying over your head, <laughs> ducks and whatnot, sitting with the people who you really enjoy spending time with, hanging out with them. It's like you playing video games with your friends that you enjoy spending time with. It's a medium for me to spend time with these guys. Yeah. And I'm out in nature getting getting my recharge from that. And it seriously is just like, it's the perfect combo for me, really. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of hunters feel basically the exact same way I do. It's the, being out with friends and nature, having fun, uh, especially duck hunting, goose hunting. That's kind of it's basically like a video game, especially when they're all over you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it pulls you closer to people, and I don't know. I could talk for hours about how hunting kind of hunting and that spending time outside kind of makes you. Uh, it brings you a little bit closer to like an ancestral sort of weird thing that mm. i don't know you feel like you're you're supposed to be outside you're supposed to be supposed to be out with the animals supposed to be out hunting yeah but uh i don't know it's something i've only gotten really into over the past couple of years but i've definitely really enjoyed spending time outside and getting to know hunting and trapping and fishing that's for sure yeah Especially with, with people you enjoy spending time with. It's like playing video games with your boys. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I don't know. I think it's, I think one of the things that I've realized is, um, I mean, I think we take for granted things that we have a lot of the time and something that I feel like I definitely took for granted, um, was like being, um, social because, uh, obviously once, once COVID hit, I spent a lot of time like doing classes online. Um, and I didn't know as many people and, you know, I felt like I was, I was busy and was just kind of working on my stuff, but I felt like it kind of took the experience of me not doing stuff with my friends as much, um, to realize how much that I valued spending time with my friends. Um, cause like I said, now, um, that I feel like I am a bit more social and have been talking with, you know, more people and meeting more people. I just feel like feel better, um, just because I kind of have some outlet to just, you know, I don't know, like, <laughs> um, just a way to relate with someone and talk to them and like forget about the stuff that you're doing that's like stressful in your life and you just do that thing with them um back when i had that difficult roommate situation of mine um i'll tell the podcast a little just a little bit of background yeah. I had a difficult roommate situation my sophomore year of college, and uh, it was just it was three of us in a in a dorm well in an apartment, and um, it was just a difficult situation. I won't go into too many details, but um, I found myself spending a lot of time in my room, um, basically just like locked away, um, and uh, I didn't. Like, I would basically, I'd take the first bus into campus every morning, and I'd take the last bus back to my apartment every night. Um, and I would just spend the least amount of time in my apartment possible. Yeah. Um, and then when I was there, I was locked in my room, not doing anything except for my schoolwork or just sitting there mm. watching Netflix or whatever. But, um, yeah. That is that is a very difficult situation. But then to go and have conversations with people that you really value, um, it's seriously it's like uh it's like seeing going and seeing a counselor. Just having conversations and having funny conversations when you're authentically laughing and yeah. you're you're talking and working with people who you care about and you think they're smart and you think they're funny and it, it is a huge um, relief and a stress reliever. And yeah. I think it's, it's for, for, I mean, not only for you, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, there's something to talking to people um, like that that releases stress and helps you get through. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's really like, I feel like it's given me a better insight to um, people that, you know, struggle to to make a lot of friends. And I think, um, you know, even for myself, I know there was a time in, in my life, like kind of in middle school, where I 
kind of struggled to make friends. I, I'm not necessarily super outgoing and, um, you know, and again, it's one of those things where when you don't have it, you don't necessarily realize how much you needed it um, until then, you know, you do have like a good friend group that you can, can spend time with and then you just feel, feel much better. But um, anyway, so I mean, if you have anything else that you want to say about about friends, go for it now. Um, but I have something else that I'm thinking about, uh, a, new, a new direction for us to go. Alrighty, what is that? So <laughs> have you ever heard of a YouTube channel or a, a guy on YouTube called Kip Boga? No. Okay, so uh, I'll just explain real quick. Basically, he um, he does like I guess you could call them prank videos, but they're for um, like phone scams. So oh, I, I think I have seen this guy right. on, on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think he like streams on on Twitch and then like probably you know uploads to other places, but. Um, Anyway, so basically, if if you don't know, the idea is he he gets like a scam call from somewhere. Obviously, we, we all know what those are because I don't know about you, Graham, but I get them all the time. Oh yeah. And um, he tries to like he sets a timer and then tries to keep the person on the line with him like as long as possible. And I think he's gotten up to like like five five plus hours before like it's pretty crazy but anyways it's it's super entertaining and like he'll he'll imitate like being um he uses like a voice changer and he's like good at you know kind of changing the tune of his voice so he'll sound like like a grandma um like to this person that's calling him to like really sell the fact that you know he he doesn't know what's going on um and the the person that's like doing the scam will just get so angry with him because they're like you know wasting his time but you as the the person watching like at least me personally i don't feel bad for the scammer at all because they're like they have malicious intent they're trying to steal someone's money so i don't know i i find it um pretty funny especially because i get scam calls all the time and it's super annoying because when i get real calls then i don't always pick it up because i just assume it's a scam but yeah i don't know you you have any thoughts opinions on that so a couple things first of all that guy is a, is a genius and i've seen most <laughs> of his stuff on like tiktok and stuff yeah and he can do some pretty incredible things and like hack these guys and like withdraw money from their accounts and stuff. Um, if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, right? I don't know that I, I, I haven't, I've only seen a few of his things, but that could be this guy. Well, either way, like, like I have only seen, I've seen multiple clips on TikTok, but like he will seriously go and, like you said, start a timer, but he will like be on the phone 
with, and most of the time these people are international. Mm. So they kind of, there's a little bit of a, of a language gar- uh, barrier. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, he'll be like, all right, so what am I supposed to do with this $2,000 right here? Am I supposed to withdraw it from your account and put it into mine? And then he'll like, be like, and they'll be like, no, please don't. No, please don't. And then so <laughs> he'll be like, okay. And then so he'll like click the button and be like, all right, I think I did it, right? Did I do the right thing? And then they'll just be like, what did you do? Yeah. They, oh, my they, God, like, what did freak you do? Out. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, wait, should I do it again? And then he'll like click the button again and withdraw <laughs> another two grand. They'll be like, please stop. Oh, my God. I'm gonna start screaming and freaking out, but yeah. But uh, so couple couple stories. So that guy, like I said before, that guy's a genius. Um, and uh, like it's fun to be like I don't know with your friends, like get a one eight hundred number and you pick mm-hmm. it up, like, and they're like, "Hi, we would like to talk to you about your car's extended warranty." Oh yeah, yeah. and you're like, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, no problem." I have what car do you want to talk about? I have yeah. seventeen. <laughs> and then they're like so then you talk to them for 15 minutes but um there was a time when i was at school no no no, i was at work and what did i get a call about i think i got a call regarding school regarding yeah yes it was i was at work and i like like we get these telemarketer calls on our work phones, mm. we'll get them on a personal phone. So we had been we had been on a roll that day. So I pick up my phone and I was like, I can't remember what I said, but I said it like, <laughs> yeah, whoa. yeah, how can I help you today? Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and, and it was like. Hi, Graham. This is Counselor Richardson at Michigan State University. I would like to talk to you about <laughs> one of your class. <laughs> so I just seriously hung up the phone. I just oh, hung up the phone. God. Uh-huh. Well, and so that's another thing. I didn't. I didn't claim my name because I thought it was a telemarketer. So I said, right. "Like, hello. This is Jimmy John 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 Johnson. How are we doing today? Day 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 day. So." I kind of got off the hook. Um, and I got the situation figured out. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not like it, it totally screwed me, but you got to be careful. Yeah. You, you pick up the phone and you make sure it's a telemarketer before you start making a fool of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, all right. A couple things to say about that is, one, uh, so I, as, as you know, but you know, the audience doesn't necessarily know, um, I have been learning Japanese for about half a year now. Um, just, I don't know, kind of out of interest, but also with hopes of using it in my career in the future. Um, but yeah, I'll, sometimes I'll get calls and then like answer in Japanese and, um, you know, with, with like <laughs> telemarketer calls and then, you know, they just hang up right away and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of fun. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So the other thing that I was, I was thinking about with, um, like these, these scam kind of things is that 
I think, um, so, you know, as, as you probably know, a lot of times the demographics that are susceptible to this sort of thing is like either older people that aren't super familiar with technology or, um, I was going to say younger people, but now that I think about it, I think most young people are pretty like surprisingly tech savvy, but anyway, so you know, they're targeted towards like this, this demographic and it's just, it's really unfortunate because I feel like it scares people away from using technology because they hear about these scams that happen. And if, if you're someone that has had very little experience with, you know, technology and email and like, you know, getting scam calls, how are you going to know the difference when they tell you like, oh, this is some really important thing. And like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary because I feel like it's not that hard to fall for some of this stuff. And the thing is, I think the scams just kind of continue to get better because they, you know, figure the scammers figure out like what works and what doesn't work. And um, to me, it's, it's kind of sad to see, um, if you have like a really well-designed scam, especially something, you know, on the computer, there's, there's a smart person behind it who like programmed that or planned out that scheme and knew that the person was going to react to it. And their, their talent is essentially wasted on trying to take from other people where, Obviously, they know what they're doing with technology. If only they could apply that to, like, I don't know, making some good program to help self-driving cars or, like, you know, I mean, there's application there. And to me, it's just kind of sad to see their talent, like, go to waste in that sort of field. Um, we We will get emails like on our work emails that will like literally be like like our ceo's first and last name at gmail.com so like won't be our work email yeah and then it'll be like hey can you please um send me send me this information (laughs) or like hey like i got an email the other day from a fake cfo at our company somebody who doesn't exist some fake name and uh it was like hey can you send me your cell phone number i have to talk to you about something wow it's like (laughs) it's like 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 you said if some of these people dedicated their time towards like a company like mine Mm -hmm. we honestly could probably use the smarts that these people have in order to make help us achieve where we want to go yeah and yeah like it's a shame that it's profitable to to scam people um and take advantage of um primarily in the older demographic Mm -hmm. um but it's just the way the world works i don't know there's sickles in the world it's but like it it's is it any different than the like the cancer industry kind of i mean i would i would i would argue it's a little bit of a stretch but i would argue that there should be a 
a, a uh, cure for cancer. And my guess is there is a cure, but it's just hidden for the money reasons. Um, I completely forgot where I, what were we just talking about? Uh, scams, I guess. The guy... <laughs> <laughs> the fake yes. uh, CFO so, email. I, I was thinking so hard about this. I don't know about the scams. So basically, what I was just gonna say was, like, we were able to to find. Uh, well, it's not a cure for COVID, but we were able to find uh, a usable vaccine in such a, a fast mm-hmm. period of time for COVID and make it such a big um, priority in this country that if we were able to do that same thing with cancer. Um, cancer would be solved and should have been solved tens years, uh, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cancer is not a scam and the industry is not a scam, but I, I do think that there's, there's a little bit behind it as sick and disgusting as it sounds. Right. I, what, what do you feel? How do you feel about that? Alice? <laughs> Um, am I am I a conspiracy theorist, or do you think that there's a little truth behind that? I think I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily know. Like I don't necessarily have the the knowledge to to give you a definite answer. But my perspective on it is, um, I think uh, a good kind of parallel for what you're describing would be the pharmaceutical industry, because um, I've heard. I mean. There's, there's people that essentially can't live and function without like certain uh, medications, if that makes sense. And because of that fact, I mean, it's, it's just a really kind of tough situation of, you know, companies essentially profiting off of like what someone needs it's like it'd be the same as if the person you know needs food or water just like everyone else and i mean again i i don't necessarily have the the best um kind of perspective about this uh as someone that is kind of a a a science nerd i guess i would say that on the cancer side um there's probably some truth in the fact that if we like really focused, we could probably make a lot more progress towards cancer. But I think cancer is kind of tough in the fact that it can spread like very unpredictably. Um, and you know, getting rid of it can sometimes mean damaging parts of the body. So anyways, I, I'm not an expert, but, um, that, that would kind of be my, my take on that yeah i mean i'm no expert either but <laughs> i don't know i know a lot of people who have struggled with cancer and, uh yeah and i know a, a few amount of people that have struggled with covid right. um and uh i don't know it would be nice if we had the cures to all of them yeah. And we didn't have to worry. Definitely. But yeah, I, I mean, you do have a point in the fact that if people's profits are tied to these things, it definitely complicates the situation in that they aren't necessarily just doing it because they want to like 
do it and and help people it's i mean there's there's profit involved and i mean there is some truth in the fact that like they are providing a service, but I feel like it just is sort of complicated by the fact that people's lives are on the line. All right. uh, We are back took a little little hiatus there um but anyways so graham would you like to uh uh give us a new direction for our conversation sure so as we talked about a little bit earlier i like to spend some time outdoors hunting and uh doing some stuff like that um but i was kind of just curious alice um, so I'll, I'll inform the listeners a little bit more, but I, uh, I am a avid outdoorsman. I, I really like to spend time, um, outside. If that be riding, um, a bike, I have a road bike that I like spending time on. Mm. Um, I really enjoy, um, fur trapping, um, specifically water trapping, like, uh, beavers, um, otters, uh, muskrats, minks, um, but primarily beavers, um, and um, hunting like turkeys, deer, waterfowl, which include like your geese and your ducks, like small game stuff too. Um, and then uh, I'm not—I don't want people to think I'm just—I'm just a murderous person. I'm, <laughs> I'm just wasting things. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm trapping these beavers, and I'm—I mean eating the beavers um in the cases that i can eat them where the beavers are um in healthy condition um i'm also able to sell some of these beavers um to a lady who feeds them to her dogs um wait seriously i'm dead serious (laughs) oh my gosh Uh uh-huh wait all right and uh sorry if you don't mind me asking how much do you (laughs) sell these beavers for like if I wanted to buy I a couple will, beavers, oh, to feed to your dogs. Yeah, let's see. Um, so I will tell you this: if you wanted to buy a pelt, um, so this what so it, the way that the fur market works is like if you go to a fur auction, you are buying a pelt for the most part, ninety-five mm. percent of the time, you are buying a pelt right. that is fleshed. Skinned, so it's skinned and fleshed mm-hmm. and dried. It could be salted or just like it's called like a trapper dry. Um, and it's not going to be tanned, so it's not going to be like ready for use. But if you were to buy a beaver in that condition right now, you could buy a beaver for about 10 to 15 bucks mm-hmm. in a perfect scenario. And uh, I am getting just about that if not more than that for the meat of the beaver okay. alone to feed to this lady's dogs all right so so it's definitely worth it <laughs> but um we're not selling the fur we're so we're skinning flushing drying and we're we send it off to a tannery it's all of our furs are currently at a tannery 
So this past year, we got uh, like 21 beavers, 10 muskrats, uh, uh, river otter, um, and then a couple raccoons. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's it is it's uh, I don't know. It's one of the things I enjoy most in life. It is there's something about being being alone out in nature so it's because you're seriously you're for the most part you're alone unless you're like at someone's house because they got a beaver issue <laughs> but like you're alone on public land nobody around and you're thinking like a beaver <laughs> and there's something there's something to, to thinking like a beaver that i really enjoy i enjoy thinking like a beaver and i enjoy being out um in the woods with the beavers and with the other animals, I'm not sure. It's 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 weird and goofy, and I've and I've had people at work say to me, "So let me get this right. You enjoy killing beavers. That's what you enjoy doing." And I'm just like, "Well, I yeah, I guess, but like since I've started trapping beavers, primarily, uh, I would say a beaver is my favorite animal." Um, just because mm. of how interesting they are and right. what I've learned from from trapping beavers and just how busy those bastards are <laughs> and the things that they can accomplish overnight um, and just what they what they do and just how they act compared to it's different than obviously any other animal for the most part around and uh, yeah so I guess I'm just curious. What is your take, Ellis, on me and I guess not only hunting and trapping and killing these animals, but I guess, you know, like going out and like killing animals for, for not like a primary food source, but for a food source and using that as part of your diet and, um, how do you feel about those hobbies compared to hobbies such as playing video games? Um, I don't know. I think, well, okay. First of all, one of the things that I feel like stands out to me a lot is the fact that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understood, it seemed like you had more respect for kind of the, the beavers and the environment from um, your experience with trapping them like it wasn't necessarily so 100%. much 100 percent. yeah like it, it wasn't necessarily about the fact that like oh i you know just wanted like i have this violent urge and i want to kill something it's it's more so about um at least for you just going out and like you know connecting with with nature and understanding the animal as well as like you know finding um some some purpose for it like a personal purpose um i don't want people to get it twisted i want to i'll interrupt you quick before you yeah continue but don't get it twisted i like going out and catching a big beaver and outsmarting them and seeing them in my trap mm. like i'm not out there to 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 play 
to play rainbows and butterflies <laughs> with the beavers and to just observe them. Beaver watching. I am out there ultimately to, to you know, I'm not just out there wasting my time. I'm out there for a reason. Um, that being said, I enjoy them so much and the, the joy that I have seeing them in, in my trap and going up to them, grabbing them, pulling them out and washing them off in the river for a couple minutes to make sure that they're nice and clean and their fur's all clean before you transport them and just just start the process properly and mm. make sure you take care of them throughout the whole process. I mean, yeah. I don't know. All right. It's like, yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, yeah. So you asked for my uh, personal opinion on it. I think, um, honestly, I this might not be very exciting. I'm pretty pretty darn neutral on it. Um, I think, I think it's it's one of those things where. Um, let me just let me just state what I'm thinking. You have, like, two very obvious sides of the spectrum where you have people that um, don't want like humans to i guess interfere with um wildlife like in any respect and you know not kill or trap or uh you know consume any sort of other living beings well, i guess that's not true because plants are also living but consciously thinking and feeling beings um and then obviously on the other side you have people that you know, view it as, as a resource to be used. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I, like I said, I'm honestly pretty neutral about it in the fact that I would say, I feel like I'm not naive in understanding that, like, like, you know, I, I enjoy a, a good meat. Like I will not deny that. Um, and I'm aware of like where that comes from. And I don't know, I guess it doesn't necessarily bother me, but, um, like on the other hand, on the other side of it, it's not necessarily something that interests me either. Um, and I don't know, I don't necessarily know how to feel about that. I don't know if that's considered right or wrong. The fact that I don't necessarily want to interact with that side of something that I'm involved with um as in like eating them and not wanting to like participate in in killing them but I think from from the logical side um let me just put it this way if if there was another dominant uh like organism on the planet and we were, you know, not the superiors. Um, we weren't the ones uh, recording podcasts together. <laughs> I have no doubt that that dominant species would probably do the same thing as us. And I don't necessarily feel like it's wrong of us as people to participate in that. It's just the fact of using our environment. I don't know, I, man, I guess I didn't really come up with a good, like coherent thought about it, but my basic stance would be that I'm kind of neutral. If, if you, 
um, do that as, as an activity and you enjoy it, I totally support that. But on the other hand, I feel like I'm willing to listen to someone on the other side of the spectrum who doesn't agree with that. Doesn't necessarily mean I agree with them, but I'm willing to at least, I don't know, try and understand their perspective. Um, yeah, I get it. So let me let me give some more information. Mm. Uh, so a couple things went through my mind while you were saying that. All hunting licenses, fishing. So, like, for instance, when, I, when you go to buy a license in the state of Michigan, a game license, you have to buy, like, a base license first. So, that's, like, if you're in, in state residence, like, five bucks. Um, so, you spend five bucks, then you can buy, like, a, a fur harvester's license is 15 bucks. So, you get your fur harvesters, and then you're allowed to get, like, uh, in the... In zone A, you're allowed to get four otters. Zone B, three. And zone C, two. Unlimited beavers, you're allowed unlimited muskrats, unlimited minks, unlimited fox, unlimited coyote, unlimited raccoon. Uh, basically, unlimited anything you can think of besides bobcat, fisher, marten, uh, and otters. Um, hmm. But so. All those licenses, all that money goes straight back into conservation. Right. So, like, all these hunters, all these deer licenses, all these fur harvester licenses, these are the people that are spending money and putting money towards conservation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, yes, there's people out there who are putting money towards conservation every year. But there are a lot of people who like to judge hunters and say that they're bad people and um, they don't really care for conservation and maintaining the environment and stuff like that. But that's what all of these licenses are going towards. Mm-hmm. They're going towards maintaining um, all of this land. And I think that's something important for a lot of people to realize that not many people do. Um, but then another thing, another big reason um, that I'm out in the woods trapping and hunting is I mean, it's kind of silly and like to pretend that I can make a difference, but um, if every hunter were to stop hunting in the woods and every trapper were to stop trapping, um, there would be like an overpopulation eventually that would occur. And so there would be so many beavers on the rivers that there would be basically a waste a waste problem from the beavers. So you couldn't go swimming in your local rivers and, and take a mouthful of water and <laughs> and swallow it without getting horribly sick because of all the beavers yeah. in the water defecating. And that's just the truth. Right. Um, or, so think about this. So the trap that I, the trap that I prefer to use is called a conibear trap. And so it's like, a, it's a, body gripping traps like the best way Mm. to think of it is um think of a think of a five gallon bucket essentially it's not a five it's it's not a it's 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 like the entrance of a five gallon bucket but it's like a square Mm. um and there's nothing behind it but like it's like he's gonna swim through it he swims through it and it there's like triggers that he will 
set once he swims through mm. it and it snaps on his body um and it just it grips harder than shit um <laughs> if if you were to if you were to stick if i were to stick my head in there um and you were to be right there next to me you would not be able to with your own might close those springs and save my life oh, i would wow. i would die um i mean they are incredibly powerful so these these springs and these traps kill beavers incredibly fast mm-hmm. incredibly fast um and so in a worst case scenario it's maybe taken maybe taken two minutes right. probably i mean honestly probably less than a minute um yeah and when you think of a death like that less than a minute versus an a death where there's overpopulation and there's no more food left for a beaver. Yeah. So this beaver it has been fighting with all the beavers around him. So he's wounded up. He's got nothing but infections all over him. He's, he's nasty. He's all smelly. He has no food. So he's starving to death. He can't move. He's stuck in his den. If he tries to go out, he's going to get attacked and drowned and who knows what. He's basically just suffering in his den because of all the beavers around him just attacking him, and there's no food around there for him. So there's that death, or there's a death of around a minute in a trap where people are out there maintaining the population. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a completely extreme example that most likely wouldn't take place, but you have to maintain in order to prevent something like that from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny because as you as you started talking, that's exactly what I was thinking about was like the overpopulation um, side of it, and the fact that yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, it has the two sides of if they're overpopulated, it becomes a problem for us. Um, but again, the other side of that is it's also a problem for the ecosystem, the the beavers and you know, all the rest of the animals, um, you know, it's, yeah. So it's, it's definitely, um, I don't know. It's a very complex system and it's important. I feel to look at it and make sure that we're balancing because like you said, I mean, you can obviously, um, under hunt something or you can over hunt it to the fact where, the species goes extinct, uh, which happens, you know, a decent amount. So, yeah, I, I mean, just uh, having awareness and making sure you don't do either extreme is probably a, a good way to go. But, uh, like, so something something interesting kind of I'd like your, your point of view on. So, like, we'll take the wolves and the upper peninsula of Michigan, for mm-hmm. example. So in the lower peninsula of Michigan, there are an abundance of deer. And mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number, but I want to say it's like 20 deer, like 25 deer per quarter mile. Right. In the lower peninsula. Yeah. In the upper peninsula, it's like a deer per three miles. Really, I did, I guess I didn't know that. Is that scary? And it's it's because of the wolf population and the Upper Peninsula. Huh. Um. So there are elk 
up in the upper peninsula and there are moose as well um but the the wolves continue to like like the like so there is a, an elk season in the upper peninsula but there's only like i want to say 12 oh shit is it 200 elk that are allowed each year or I don't think it's 1,200. It might be 1,200. I don't know. But either way, uh, not many elk. Right. And uh, everybody who's out, up there deer hunting just says they, they, they don't have any luck because of the wolves. Mm. Um, so Congress actually passed a law um, basically forcing the DNR to enact a wolf season because of I mean, people. Not only are like dogs and stuff getting jacked from people's backyards, mm-hmm. but people are scared. I mean, there are there are well over a thousand wolves in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and there is no predator really to to go after them. I mean, yes, the black bear could could fend its could fend its way through with a wolf, but. They're not going after each other. They're just going to fight if they need to. So it's like, in that case, do you let the wolves continue to diminish the deer population and the elk population and just rise and rise and rise and tell people, well, looks like you need to start carrying a gun on you. Mm -hmm. So like, in that case, it almost seems like human intervention is inevitable right yeah i don't know yeah i i guess i guess that's a good point um it does uh, i don't know it does kind of make me wonder about um because i think you do have a good point in that in the situation that they're in now they probably you know have to take some sort of action um to you know, kind of restore the population balance. But um, a part of me does wonder is, you know, part of the reason that the population was out of balance in the first place because of um, human intervention, because that, you know, population dynamics between wolves and, and deer have existed before kind of the, you know, modern age of humans where we really started to like change the shape of the environment. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think, I think you're right in the fact that there probably is some sort of action that needs to be taken, but, um, it just, it just makes me think about kind of the unintended consequences, not necessarily just in that situation, but as a result of, um, other kind of aspects, like, for example, um, I, I've, you know, as I mentioned last time, I'm doing um, chemical engineering, and the thing is in in engineering and something that I think has kind of been overlooked is the fact that uh, like humans can have such a large scale impact on um, our environment and like the well being of ourselves and you know the planet because we can design such 
crazy things. I mean, you think about like the different um, oil spills that that happen that like just devastate like the different ocean populations and it's it's like an unintended impact i mean obviously no one wanted um that to happen in the first place but it was definitely a foresight on the part of humans to not have taken precautions in the first place and like let something like that happen um so I don't know. I do with that what you will, but it was just something that it made me think of. Um. So that mean what it kind of made me think about earlier. What what you just said. Who, who do you think has been hunting the deer longer, man or wolf? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, the wolves. I mean, that would be my. I guess. Like, okay, so I guess you're right because, I mean, like, we'll go back to caveman there. They didn't have bows and there. <laughs> so, like, but hunting and gathering in general, I guess, like, so what I'm trying to get at is we've been making an impact on the land just as long as wolves have. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the hunting that we're doing currently isn't new. Like, it's been taking place for as long as we've been here. So, who's been here longer, us or wolves? Right. Yeah. I think. Um, uh, I think the the one thing I would say from from my perspective is that, um, I think that one of the the things that kind of changes the dynamic is the fact that wolves are basically the same, um, you know, back in caveman era. I mean, maybe there weren't even modern wolves back then. I have no idea, but essentially wolves were about the same humans. On the other hand, have gotten so much more efficient at killing. Um, and, our population is much, much larger that like we can make a big impact on, on the population size because we can, you know, we have like advanced technology and a large population. Um, but sorry, I mean, you can, you can continue your point. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're good. It's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know, it's interesting to think about what, like I said, our hunting impact hasn't changed. So, who's been impacting these populations longer? And ultimately, who has the greatest impact on the land? Is it the 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 human hunter or is it the the like the nature, the the natural hunter, the hunter of the cougar the bear the wolf yeah i don't know yeah but that's i mean that's all i had for that thought really right yeah well i don't know it's it's good stuff but um i think i think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap up um we had uh 
I don't know. I think we had a pretty, pretty solid conversation. I think this time around, we definitely took more of a turn away from where we started. Um, in that we started with friends and ended up, um, trying to decide whether, uh, wolves or humans were making a bigger impact on the population. But that's just the nature of a good conversation. I feel exactly um, but yeah anyways so graham do you have any any closing closing remarks if not it's all right i'll uh i'll wrap it up oh um, i not really the only closing remarks basically just get outside spend some time outside maybe buy a hunting license fishing license and <laughs> catch a couple beavers know. what do you know? exactly see if you enjoy that side of the, that side of life yeah yeah all right cool um so anyways uh thank you for for listening to big guys big takes um we are planning to continue uh making podcasts weekly so please stay tuned from for that um and if you do enjoy the best thing that you can do to help us is give us a rating on your favorite podcast um app of choice and uh tell other people about us um because if we uh hear from you guys and find out that you like what we're doing then that makes it that much easier for us to keep doing it because we know that um you want to hear more so uh please do if you enjoy it and uh i guess that's it so yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining, Graham. It was a good, good episode. It was. Yeah, thanks for joining, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yep. See ya.